Hello, thank you for visiting the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, feel free to visit our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And now here is this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. This is the third week of Advent, and the third week of Advent is the week of joy. And uh, the text this morning is a joy text. So why don't we read that? This is out of Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 8. It goes like this. That night, and the night that's in question here is the night that Jesus was born. So Jesus is born. That night, the shepherds were staying in their fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find, an, you'll find a baby wrapped, in, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was a baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherds' stories were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart, and she thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying God and praising Him for all they had seen and heard. I'm not reading well today. It was just as the angel had told them. Awesome. I want to talk to you this morning about being interrupted by joy. Being interrupted by joy. And I want to begin by saying that there's a few ways that you can read this text which is pretty normal with the Bible, there's usually not just one way to come to the text. I know that you'll sometimes hear some really smart theological guys say, well, you know, there's one way that you approach the text, or this text means this one thing. And and the truth is, that's almost never the case with the Bible. Uh, The Bible is almost always multifaceted, and there are different layers to the story. Uh, And and I don't want to use the word levels, but I do want to use the word layers. And one of the ways that we can approach this text this morning is you can approach it just in in terms of a historical layer, uh, something that actually happened. Uh, It actually happened to some shepherds about some uh, body named Mary and somebody named Joseph and a little baby named Jesus. And I actually believe all of that historical stuff. I totally believe it. But another way you can begin to receive this text is also in terms of a parable. You can receive this text as a parable. Luke is telling us the story of Jesus, but he's doing so in a particular way to frame it in the way that he wants to frame it so that he can get across the message that he wants to get across because the message of Jesus is deep and wide. Does that make sense? And so, yeah, I want to begin this morning by just receiving this text uh, this morning, not just as as 
a historical fact about what happened to Jesus at a certain point in history, but also as just a parable, as a way of seeing God's kingdom. And the first thing that I'd like to do if we're going to do it that way is I'd like to point out what Luke says here in chapter 2, verse 8. He says, that night, and you'd want to underline that word night, that night there were shepherds staying in fields nearby and they were guarding their flocks of sheep. A couple things. Uh, number one, number one, uh, when it comes to when it comes to leaning into a life of joy, there are several things that sometimes keep us from being able to enter into the good news of God's kingdom and receiving the joy that come from it. And and one of the things that keeps us from being able to enter into the good news of God's kingdom and the joy that comes from it is the night, which is to say uh, the dark, which is to say that which blinds us and makes us sleepy. Now, I want you to catch this just for a second here. A lot of what God is doing is happening on many levels, and we are not always aware of it. So, for instance, in the text this morning, if you go and you read Luke chapter 2, and if you read the whole thing, the thing that immediately precedes the bit that we read was the birth of Jesus. Jesus was actually born. He was born in a manger. He He was born to Mary, and he was born to Joseph, and almost no one knew it. Almost no one knew it. God was active in the world and almost no one knew it. And the text says really plainly that there were shepherds at night, which is to say shepherds who were blind to what God was doing. So night will keep you blind to what God is doing. And what is the night? Well, I just want to reemphasize this because this is something we experience so often. The night is uh, the darkness which blinds, but it's also that which makes us sleepy. So God can be doing things in the world and we can be totally unaware of it. But then the shepherds were doing some other things uh, as well in the night. They were in some ways blinded by God, but I believe they were blinded by God for a particular reason because it says that the shepherds were, at night, they were staying up and they were guarding their flocks. One of the things that keeps us from being able to enter into God's kingdom message and receive the joy that comes from it is not only the night that blinds or the night that makes us sleepy, but it's this idea of us staying up Staying up, read for that anxiety. Staying up and guarding what's ours. To the extent that we stay up and we guard what's ours, to the extent that we, that we live in the night, is the extent to which we can largely be completely unaware of what God is doing in the world. Does this make sense? Yeah, so I think this story about the shepherds, I, I believe that it actually happened to some shepherds, but I actually believe that this is like my story and it might even be your story. It's like probably like me and Casey's story. Like a, a good portion of our life, we've just been sort of blinded by the night, staying up and anxious about everything that we think is under our control. And in that space, we've just been sort of unaware of what God is doing. Would you agree with me, Casey? Yeah, me and Casey are agreeing on that. Does anybody else in here feel like they've experienced some of that? Which brings me to another spot. I, I want to say this right up front. God is always working. He's always working. He's never, he's never working more or less than he is right now. A lot of times we have this idea that, you know, well, back in the day, God was really moving. Or, you know, over there, you know, pick a ge- geographic spot on the map and throw a dart. You know, over there, that's where God's really working. Or, you know, or, 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 you know in the future, God's really going to work. Like, I've got a prophetic word, and one day God's really going to do something. Or, you know, my sister really loves Jesus and God's doing so much in her life. But mostly in my life, it's barren. 
and mostly in my life, it's not happening. Or I, I remember when church used to be good, you know? I remember when, when it wasn't... Don't y'all remember like two years ago when the vineyard was awesome? And we just... And this is the kind of stuff that gives in our hearts. We just start believing, well, you know, God is sometimes doing more uh, than He is. At, it's not true at all. Uh, when you begin to give in to thoughts like God was doing more or He's doing less or He will one day do or will, was doing and now I'm sort of out but it, my sister's in. All of those thoughts are shepherd thoughts. You're blinded by the night and you're mostly trying to control what's yours and in the process of controlling what's yours and trying to guard, you're completely oblivious to the thing that God is doing which is right beneath the surface. And if you're blinded to what God is doing, which is right beneath the surface, you'll be blinded to joy. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it isn't happening. So in that way, one of the ways that we can talk about joy is this. Joy is seeing. Joy is seeing. Joy is revelation. And joy is being in the know. Bitterness bitterness is blindness. And blindness is often, often accompanied by our preoccupation with other stuff. And in the text, it offers us some things that we oftentimes get preoccupied with. All of our work, all of our work, all of our protecting, all of our staying up, all of our anxiety, anxiety and joy, they don't mix, they will never emulsify. But praise the Lord, praise the Lord, even when you're totally blinded by the night, even when you're anxious trying to protect your own. Praise the Lord, even when you are staying up as though it all depended on you. God will break through and he will bring you the good news word. And that's what we see in the text. The angels show up and when they show up, they show up with glory. And I love what the text says about the shepherds. It says that the shepherds were terrified. We think, we think they were a little bit scared. Or maybe that they received a fright. But the text says that they were terrified. Have you ever noticed that a lot of people these days talk about meeting angels and they never talk about being afraid? I think that's weird. Everybody in the Bible who meets, meets Jesus, everybody who meets the resurrected Jesus, and everybody who meets an angel, everybody who gets a picture of heaven freaks out. Nobody does these days. Makes me scratch my head. Anyhow, they're terrified. They weren't a little bit afraid. They were freaked out. Totally freaked out. Totally melted. Anybody ever been overcome with fear? Like frozen? I did that to Rowan the other day. I scared him to death. Scared Maggie too. And the worst news is I did it on purpose. (laughs) Rowan has this little book he likes. It's called the Gruffalo. Anybody in here know about the Gruffalo? Yeah. Gruffalo's awesome. Gruffalo, I'll give you the 30-second story. Gruffalo is this little story about a mouse. He's a little mouse, and he goes walking in the woods, and an owl comes to eat him, a snake comes to eat him, and a fox comes to grab him. And this mouse is rather resourceful, and he is able to, he is able to talk his way out of being eaten and his certain demise by creating a bigger story about a fictitious character called a Gruffalo who loves to eat foxes, mice. I mean, who loves to eat foxes, uh, snakes, and owls. And all of them believe him, but the sort of twist at the end is 
he ends up meeting the actual Gruffalo, who's this really big, you know, kind of a scary guy. And Rowan loves him. Uh, so Rowan's imagination has been captured by this idea of the Gruffalo, and the Gruffalo lives in the deep, dark woods. And, um, and that's been sort of like translated at our house for anything that's dark. So any room that's dark, there's a Gruffalo in there, right? And, and it's just a topic of conversation. Uh, it, 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 he, you know, the Gruffalos exist in, in Rowan's world to a rather remarkable degree. And, and you, know, you know, he'll open up a door. You know, there'll be a closet that, you know, the door's kind of like cracked open. And it's definitely dark. And he'll come to me and he'll say, Dad, there's definitely a Gruffalo in there. You know, is there a Gruffalo in there? I'm like, there could be, you know. I don't know. I'm, I, I never tell him there's not. I tell him there might be, man. I don't know. And um, he, he thinks that's really cool, so he has a little gun, and he goes and he shoots, he shoots Gruffalos and that sort of thing. Because we don't allow him to shoot people, of course. But you can shoot all the Gruffalos you want. I told him, you ever shoot one, we'll mount his head right above your bed. So we, this is sort of a thing. You know, it's just a topic of conversation. It's very much a part of the atmosphere at our house. And um, it was about two weeks ago or so, Heather and River and Seth, they're gone. I, I forget why. It was probably soccer everything is probably soccer at our house and i'm at home with rowan and i'm at home with magnolia and so we're like fighting rowan and i are just doing we're wrestling and we're fighting and i'm teaching him some good moves and in in the process of that uh rowan looks into my room which was dark he says dad do you think there's a ruffalo's in there i'm like maybe right well, he kind of turns around and he begins to talk to Magnolia. And when he talks to Magnolia, I just slip out of the room, you know. <laughs> Without anybody knowing it. They didn't see me. Neither one of them saw me. I go into the room. And then I, not only that, but I go into my closet, which is super dark. And then I just evaporate into the clothes, you know. <laughs> and I can hear him. I can hear him. And he says, Dad, where are you? And I do not answer. <laughs> you know. And then, then I hear him again. I hear him come into my bedroom and flick the light on and go, Dad, Dad, where are you? And I don't answer. And at this point, Magnolia's even become a little bit concerned. And, and she comes into the room with him and she says, uh, Dad, where are you? I don't say a word, man. I'm in these... <clears throat> they, I can hear them. They kind of slip back out to the living room and they're having this pretty anxious talk this pretty anxious conversation about what happened to dad right where did he go and rowan is definitely feeling like something's not okay and magnolia is even beginning i can hear it in her voice she's even beginning to give in to something might not be okay and then rowan says to her something along the lines of do you think a gruffalo got him and they're just chatting they have no idea where i'm at and so I just slip out of the closet and I come through my room and I come through the hallway and, and I just, I run up behind them so quick and they don't even hear me coming. And then when I, right, right as I get in the room with them, I just yell, ah, you know, and, and then you know, I get both of their faces and they're like, <laughs> scared them to absolute death, terrified my own children. And after I terrified them that way, we just laughed and we thought it was awesome. Then Rowan says to me, well, do that again. Like, that was, let's do that again. But that's basically what happened to the shepherds, only it was more, you know? Like, the Gruffalo came and it happened to be God. And, yeah, and they were just terrified.
But I love what the angels say in that moment, right when the shepherds are the most terrified. The angels say a couple things. The first thing they say is, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. That's a great word, by the way, for being able to enter into the life of joy. Don't be afraid because fear always keeps us from hearing and seeing. And if you can't hear God and you can't see God, it's really hard to have the life of joy. It's really hard to be able to enter into the life of God. So don't be afraid. And the second thing about this is is this. Heaven is almost always the reassuring voice in your head. You might even need to write that one down and underline it three times. Because one of the things I know about people, and this is universally true, we have all kinds of voices in our head. Don't you? I do. I mean, you can admit to this and not admit to being a multiple personality person. (laughs) We all have voices in our head. And some of the voices are us, and some of the voices are the Holy Spirit, and some of the voices are the devil, and sometimes it's really hard to distinguish which which ones are which. But I can tell you with great confidence that the voice of heaven, the voice of God, is almost always the reassuring voice. Don't be afraid. It's almost always the reassuring voice. The voice in your head of accusation is almost always the devil. In fact, that's the name that Jesus gives to the devil. He's the what? The accuser. The voice of accusation, the the voice of condemnation, that really is never the voice of God. The voice of God, the voice of heaven is almost always that reassuring nudge that you get on the inside. Now, I use the word almost because it's not as though God doesn't ever come and confront us. He does. But there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. You know this, right? Huge difference between conviction and condemnation. Uh, Conviction always comes seated with hope. So even when God comes to confront, there's hope inside of it that I could change and be a different person. Condemnation always says, not only do you have a problem, but you are a problem and you'll never change. So in Acts chapter 9, like... Saul is going to Damascus to persecute, probably to kill some Christians. And Jesus does confront him. He says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? But it's, it's never, you're a terrible person and I'm sending you away from me forever. That's never the voice of God. So in your own life, the voice of the Father, the voice of heaven is almost always the reassuring voice. Especially when it comes to letting go of your fears. And some of us this morning, we're just... We're so afraid. We're so afraid. We're so anxious uh, that we're living in the night and we're totally blind and we're totally deaf to who God is and what he's doing. Now, I love the next thing they say. The angels say this. They say, don't be afraid. And then they say, we've got a message of good news that will bring great joy to all people. And I find that little phrase to be very interesting Because they don't say, we're bringing you good news that is great joy for all people. They frame it slightly different. The angel says, it's good news that will be great joy for all people. Isn't that interesting? Part of what the angel is actually getting at is that in some significant way, joy is oftentimes a process. You can receive good news and still not get the joy. And so sometimes joy is a process. Uh, Some of us in here, if we were to write down a list of adjectives that describe who we are, if we were to write down a list and you you know write down all the adjectives, uh, a lot of us in the room wouldn't have joy to be on the list. 
And that's okay. So the good news this morning is this. If you don't have joy on your list, that's okay. Because oftentimes, joy is a process. Uh, Some of us tend to be more aligned with joy by our DNA, and then some of us are not as aligned with joy in our DNA. And it might be a bit more of a process, but that's okay. Even the angel said that. It's good news that we'll be great joy. So some of us might be in that process of becoming a joyful person. Is that okay? Now, let me say another thing, too. Because if it's a process, then part of what that means is oftentimes there are things we have to, things we have to let go of in order to grab onto the flow of God's kingdom that brings us the joy that's inside of Jesus. And you might be thinking, well, what are the things that we have to let go of? Well, here's some things we have to let go of. We have to let go of the darkness, just like the shepherds. I'm convinced that most of us in the room, we're the shepherds in this story. We have to let go of the darkness. Not only that, we have to let go of our love for the darkness, which the beginning of that might just be admitting that we love the darkness. And the darkness can be interpreted a million ways, but for the most part, it's blindness. It's just blindness or even, or even darkness in the sense of things that we know that are not aligned with God and we just like it. And sometimes the beginning of walking into joy is to letting go of the darkness, even those things that are not aligned with Him. And it might begin with admitting to God, there are dark things in my life and I know that I shouldn't like them, but I do. Now this is really important because Jesus can't fix your fake life, He can only fix your real life. So if there's some things that you enjoy that you know don't ultimately bring you any joy, it begins with just telling him. Or, or just the tendency we have to be sleepy people. The darkness speaks of sleepiness. It speaks of, it speaks of just being totally unaware. So we have to let go of our proclivity. There's a nice word. Our proclivity of being blind people or sleepy people to the things of God. The second thing we have to let go of is all of our protecting all of our protecting. It says that the shepherds stayed up at night and they were guarding their sheep. And this, this gets down to the issue of untrusting. As though, as, though, as though you are responsible for everything in your life. As though if you work harder, you'll always get better outcomes. How many of you understand that lots of really good, diligent people don't get great outcomes? And it isn't their fault. Yeah, it's this, it's this tendency to not trust God with at big parts of our life and to really believe that it's really up to us. And that's a hard one, man. We're protectors. And then, right along, it's very close to protecting. It's, we have to give up, to, we have to give up uh, staying up, uh, working. And, and, and by staying up like the shepherds did, it's really rooted in anxiety. It's this idea that if I take my eye off of this ball for even one minute, somebody's going to come and rob all my sheep. If, if I take my hand away from that plow even for one minute, then... My life will be a disaster. Everything I've ever hoped for will just be gone in a puff. It's that, it's that blanket of anxiety that settles on us. We have to wake up from the darkness. We have to wake up from expectations of negativity. In the first week of Advent, we talked about hope, which is confident expectation of good. If you're going to enter into joy, you need real hope. Confident expectation of good. A lot of us in the room have a confident expectation of bad. And it's hard to articulate. But on the inside, we're just, we're really 
we've experienced so much pain and disappointment in our life, we just assume it's always going to be painful and it's always going to be disappointing. And next year will probably be somehow uh, a little bit worse than this year. And I'm probably never going to get out of this. And I'm probably never going to get out of that. And my husband's always going to be crazy. And the kids are always going to be nuts. And I'm always going to hate my job. Right? Some of us have that program. And we have to let go of protecting. And this is a really big one. This, this, this blocks joy so much. It, it, it's, not up, it's not up to us. Not everything is up to you. Uh, some, of us, some of us are just keeping watch. And we're just keeping watch. And we're keeping watch. And the truth is we're freaking out. And we're freaking out over everything. We're freaking out over our kids. We, we constantly freak out over our kids. We want our kids to be good. Of course, nobody wants their kids to be bad. But can I tell you something? There are great parents who have terrible kids. And there are terrible parents who have good kids. And at some point, it's just not up to you. And we stay up and we, we live with anxiety. And by the way, a parent's anxiety for their children to be good will never bring goodness. It will oftentimes mostly just bring the very thing you're most afraid of. We freak out. We freak out over our kids. We freak out over our job. We just, we, we're desperate for that next promotion. We're desperate for the next thing. We're desperate for the next thing. We're desperate for the next thing. We're desperate for, for accolades. We're desperate for significance that comes from our job. And we're just like shepherds. We stay up. And we're guarding and we're protecting. We're protecting our turf. We're protecting what's ours in a corporate sense. We're, we're making sure we get credit. We're making sure we get credit. We're making sure we get credit because if we don't get credit, can't get a promotion, can't get a promotion. If I don't have a promotion, I can't get a raise. If I can't get a raise, I can't get a better house. And we just do the math and we just, this system of anxiety keeps going. Then we freak out about our business. And, and this is a really big one for us here at the Vineyard because so many of us actually do own our own businesses. And, and the truth is we're just always freaking out about our business, you know, making sure that it's as good as we thought we were or as good as we th- were hoping it would be. And some of us are really bummed right now because our business isn't as good as we thought it would be. We're not quite where we had hoped we would be. We're, we're several years into a project that isn't working out well. And so we're just beginning to shepherd. We're beginning to guard it. We're beginning to protect it like it's all up to us as if God has nothing to do with it, as if, as if our success is only in our own strength, our own ability, our own smarts to be, to be a, a spread genius. I can tell you right now, you can stay up all night and the Bible says in Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, the workers labor in vain. You can watch over the city, but if God's not guarding, all of your armies mean nothing. And some of us are freaking out over our health. Maybe you had cancer and you're really afraid it's going to come back. Or maybe somebody in your, li- or in your family had cancer and you're really afraid it's going to be you. Or maybe your daddy died of a heart attack and you're getting to be about the age he was when he died. And, you're, and, and you don't really talk about it, but you're just staying up at night. You're staying up at night. You might even sleep, but you're staying up at night. Like your body's asleep, but your heart is awake and it's anxious and it's anxiety filled. And you really don't want to die of a heart attack and you really don't want to die of cancer and you really don't want to get hit by a bus. And you really don't want to get ALS or something else. And you're, you're, really, you're just kind of like worried. You're high blood pressure. You've got the diabetes. Everything is screwed up. Can I just tell you something right now about your health? This is like some good, bad news, okay? Everybody in here is going to die of something. It might be cancer. It might be a heart attack. Everybody's terminal. You are terminal. Unless Jesus shows up before it ends, you are terminal. We're all going to die. Can we just let go of that fear? Can we just let go of it? Could we? A little bit? Or maybe you're just freaked out about your place in life. You've got tons of anxiety about your station 
in life. Uh, you, you're, maybe you're in your, you're in your mid-40s and you thought you'd be further along. Uh, maybe you're in your late 20s and you're not married and you're freaking out and you're just hand-wringing. Uh, maybe, maybe you're in your 30s and, and, you, and, and you don't even have a decent job, but you've got tons of education. Uh, maybe you're in your 60s and you're not going to be able to retire anytime soon. Uh, maybe you were hoping that you'd be more honored. Maybe you were hoping that you'd be more famous. Maybe you were hoping that you would be richer. Maybe you were just hoping for more and it's just sort of a disappointment. Some of us are just filled with anxiety about our station in life. And by the way, social media doesn't help this. In fact, it has become a feedback loop to reinforce all of your defeated feelings. Why? Because everybody's awesome on Instagram. Everybody's awesome on Instagram. Because no one ever posts pictures of their ugly, uncombed, bad breath face first thing in the morning. No. Everybody posts their highlight reel. And so we judge our low moments against somebody else's highlight reel and we wonder why we feel terrible. I ain't posting my picture in the morning. Zonda, you can't know. But isn't that what we do? Isn't that what we do? We're bummed out by our station in life. And so we just become shepherds, staying up, trying to guard what's ours, trying to work on our personal brand. How many of you guys have heard the phrase personal brand way too many times in the last five years? I want to put, I just want to die. Every time I hear the phrase personal brand, I just want to punch myself in my own face. (laughs) It's a really brilliant quote from Thomas Merton, the Trappist monk who lived in Kentucky. I went to the Abbey at Gethsemane back in August. And while I was there, I read some Merton. You got to get in the flow of the place where the man lived, you know. It's one of Kentucky's true treasures. He's dead now, but you should read him. But as I was reading Merton, came across this really great quote and it's been sort of stuck in me ever since. Thomas Merton says, the tighter you squeeze, the less you have. And it is 100% Luke chapter 2, 8 through 20. Staying up, protecting, guarding, but mostly blind to what God is doing. But the good news is that God comes. The good news is that even in our anxiety, God will show up. And he'll lead us into vulnerability. Vulnerability is where the joy is. Vulnerable people are actually just happier. Uh, I'll I'll tell you, there's a couple people here at the Vineyard who are truly joyful people, like not faking. Uh, There's actually more than this, but there's just two that come to mind real quick. Uh, uh, One of them is my own wife. And I don't care to say it. Heather is a joyful person. I've been married to her for years. She's, she's not given to depression. She's not given to suspicion or bitterness. She's just light. And that's who she is. Ge- like genuinely all the way down. And, and another person that I think is very similar is uh, Lori Rogers. Y'all notice this? These are, these are not heavy people. These are people you throw them in an ocean and they just float. You know? And you can, and here's the cool thing: you can throw both of these women into the worst stuff, and they don't lose it. And what's really cool, and the reason I know that it's real uh, Jesus joy that's at work in both of them, is because both of them have been through major junk and didn't lose it. It's joy, and so you go, well, how do you, 
how do you come into contact with that if it's a part of the good news? Well, part of it is in letting go of this stuff that we've been talking about. Letting go of our love for the dark. Letting go of our own blindness to God. Letting go of our anxiety. Letting go of our staying up. Letting go of our guarding. And becoming a vulnerable person. And one of the things I know about Heather and Lori is they're vulnerable people. And they let go. Uh, I can tell you right now, people have treated them terribly. And they just let go with forgiveness. They don't hang on to it. You know, you know some, some of us in here really struggle with, with unforgiveness. We just get like real bitter. Unforgiving people are not joyful people. People who hang on, like everything that happens in life, if it's, you know, if Connor says something about me and then I just hang on to it and hang on to it and replay it and replay it and replay it and replay it, and replay it, and replay it. next week I'll be really a not happy person. And at that point, I won't even be unhappy about Connor. I just become unhappy about life. It becomes a whole worldview that I have, right? But there's something about letting go. There's something about letting go that brings the joy. And by the way, we see it even in the text. The angel come and he's asking the shepherds to essentially let go. To let go of your flock. Let go. And come see this other thing. So you can't grab hold of the new thing until you let go of the old thing. And one of the things the Lord is saying, even to this, us in this room, is most of us in this room really need to do some letting go. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's unmet expectations. Uh, maybe you're not as successful in your career as you hoped you would be or thought you would. Uh, maybe your husband is never going to change. Maybe your wife is not as sweet as you hoped. Uh, maybe your kids are crazy. Uh, maybe your Instagram account is not as cool as Kanye's. But the good news is this. If you just let go, if you let go... The moment that you let go is the moment when you could actually grab hold of the good news that is in Jesus and get the joy. You can't get it any other way. And by the way, the angel says, I've got good news for you that will be great joy. And the good news is a son is born and here's the sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly. I like our translation this morning. Did you all like that? It was a surprising word, wasn't it? You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in a manger. Heck of a sign, isn't it? It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, We'll do the math like this. Here's the calculus on this story. Mundane, glorious, mundane. Mundane, glorious, mundane. We need to be people who are letting go, but we have to be the kind of people who are equally comfortable with mundane, glorious, and mundane if we're going to live a life of joy. So the shepherds, they're just doing what shepherds do. They're up to their thighs in sheep poop. Have to articulate there. Enunciate. They're up to their thighs in sheep poop. They do this every single day. And then at some point, at some point, angels show up and give them an amazing announcement. Glorious. Mundane to glorious. And the part I love the most is they didn't pray for it or ask for it. God encounters almost never come because you wanted them. They come because he's good. It's, it, you know, the, this idea that the prayer warriors get more, uh, get more God encounters, that's really not in the Bible. It's like God usually shows up to terrible people who didn't ask for it. I, that's my favorite thing. He has such amazing, God has such amazingly low standards. It's one of my favorite things about him. But they're like in this life of, it's just mundane. It's daily, it's, it's sheepy. And then all of a sudden it's glorious. Like there's an angel and it says, I love what the text says. It says the armies of heaven are singing. 
Uh, number one, heaven has armies. Number two, they sing. Number three, the lyrics of their song are peace on earth. This is really great, by the way. Heaven has an army, but it's singing peace. We have armies, we shoot people. Heaven is singing peace, which is to say that God has a choice and he chooses the way of peace. Mundane, glorious revelation. And then they go to see baby Jesus. And what they find is a tiny baby wrapped in snuggly cloth, lying in a manger filled with straw and cow manure. Standing beside Mary is Joseph, who's still confused and wondering where we're going to get some food. And nowhere in that scene is any charismatic gold dust, not a feather in the place. There's not an angel. There's nothing. Right? Some of you are not as initiated into charismatic world as some other people here in this room are. Let me just tell you, sometimes like at charismatic meetings, you know, there'll be a little gold dust or something or... Or maybe a, a feather will fall down beside someone. I don't know. These things happen. I believe in them. But I don't, I don't really care about them that much. Because it misses the point oftentimes. And it misses the point. See, some of us can see God in the mundane. Some of us can see Him in the glorious. But I tell you what God wants to do. He wants to bring us to be the sort of people who can see Him in the mundane and the glorious. And when it goes back to mundane, we don't lose our joy. Angel singing, glorious. Jesus in the manger, mundane. Which is the work of God? Both. The question is, can you see it? See, some of us in the room grew up in, depending on how you grew up, some of us grew grew up basically irreligious, and you're not even entirely sure why you're here right now. Just hang on, just stay here. For, For some reason you're here and God's working in your life. I know it doesn't feel like it, but it is. Okay. That was my commercial to those people. But other people here other people here grew up like really conservative, like socially conservative. You know, you, you, you weren't allowed to date till you were like 25. And, and, and you grew up theologically conservative as well, right? You know, so, and by that, I'm, this is going to be a general statement that isn't totally fair, but it kind of works. And what I mean by theologically conservative is like the only point of Jesus is you don't go to hell. So for God's sake, man, get baptized and don't go to hell, right? And it's true. You shouldn't go to hell. Let's don't do it. Nobody has to. Anyway, so if you grow up like that, you have a lens, you have a worldview, but actually all you're seeing is about like this. And and the blinders are just powerful. Others of us, and this would be sort of like my story, grew up in a more theologically Loose situation. We grew up pretty charismatic. I could tell you stories of things that I've seen in meetings that would... We'd just laugh for days. Okay? And the truth is, even if you grow up in a more charismatic tradition, even if you grow up in a place that honors the Holy Spirit, whatever that means, you're still seeing this much. You're seeing this much. That's about it. But what God wants to do is he wants us to become people who are not shepherds who are just seeing this. He wants us to be shepherds who are seeing the whole thing. Because that's where the joy is. Let me just, let me frame it for you. Let me frame it for you this way. Let me frame it for you this way. Um, Wrong page. 
See, joy is not just the exceptional work of God. It is oftentimes the mundane work of God. And he's drawing us into being the kind of people who can see both. See, some of us here, we, we have to get this. You know, some of us are looking for these big flashpoint moments with God, and we should. Like, we should expect them. And when they come, we should enjoy them and thank Him for them. But the day after a flashpoint moment with God is no less a day with God. He, he's still there. He's never more or less at work. He's, he's just always at work. Uh, and, and for some of us in the room, you know, maybe you're brand new to the vineyard, and, like, the vineyard is very exciting. And you're like, Hannah's an amazing singer. I can't believe this band. The kids' church is cool. And Adam sometimes makes references to Kanye. This is my place, you know? You're, you're thinking, you're very, this is very exciting. And in some ways you go, this is glorious, man. I didn't know church could be like this. Uh, good. Let me tell you, hang around long enough, this is going to get boring. And I'm not going to do anything to make it less boring. And Hannah's not going to do anything to make it less boring. Eventually, if you go to this church long enough, you will get bored. Eventually, if you go to any church long enough, you will get bored. Can I tell you how I know that? I once went to a really crazy charismatic church for a while, and it wore me the heck out. (laughs) It did. It wore me the heck out. Stuff happened all the time. It wore me out. And I was praying, God, please get me out of this church. It's wearing me out, right? I'm totally born with this flow. It will get, it's actually part of the point. Can you see God in the mundane? Can you see him in the glorious? When it goes back to mundane, are you offended or can you still see him? He's always at work. He's always at work. He's always at work. And that's where the joy is. The good news is always the good news. If I can let go, I can get it. If I can let go, I can receive it. The good news is never any more or any less the good news. It is always available to us because it's always Jesus. You can't go anywhere else and get the good news. You can't go anywhere else and get the joy. And boredom cannot keep you from it if he opens your eyes. Amen? Amen. A flippin' man. A flippin' man. Hey, why don't you stand up this morning? And if we've got a ministry team, if you would come up front. Hello, Sadie. Hello, Connor. Is there anyone else? There we go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on up, guys. Thank you. Come on up. Hey, here's what I want to do before we pray and officially end the meeting. The feng shui is right now. Okay, good. There we go. We can, we can proceed. Sadie says we can. Hey, here's what I want to do before we pray and wrap this up. If you know that you need joy, if you know that joy is not an adjective that describes you, if you know that there's majorly something missing, why don't you just come down right now? You can come on up. Because we want to pray for you. If there's anybody here who knows that you've been protecting, if you know that you've been guarding, if you know that you've been staying up, if you know that you've been taking on the work of the world, trying to find it, and it's just not working, and you need joy, why don't you come on up? Anybody? Come on up. Come on up. Don't be shy. Come on up. Yep, come on up. Thank you. Come right on up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come on up. There's still time. <laughs> All right. 
Why don't we do this? Why don't we just put our hands out like this this morning? We'll pray. God, thanks for your joy. God, thanks for the smile that is in the Son of God. God, thanks for the laughter that surrounds your kingdom. God, we ask that you would birth that anew in our hearts. God, for all of us who have a lot of adjectives attached to us and none of them are joy, we ask that you would bring us the joy. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, who is the laughing song of the Father. Amen. Amen. You can give somebody a high five and a hug. And if you came from ministry, these people will pray for you. Thank you again for stopping by the podcast at the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening here at the Vineyard, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, peace to you.